Thanks for getting out on this cold night and um, appreciate the opportunity to be together to get again. Um, we'll have brief comments tonight so we can get back on the road before they get completely covered over, for, hopefully for those uh, who are nervous about uh, driving in this weather. All right. The, uh, the devil is trying to shape our thinking into thoughts that are contrary to God's will. As Joseph just read for us in Romans chapter 12, the devil has been not conformed to this world and this world's way of thinking. You know, the devil has been very effective at changing people's thoughts. For example, the family structure today doesn't look a lot like it did 100 years ago for many families. The devil has been effective at changing people's minds around homosexuality. And he's gotten a lot of people to accept that. The devil works on our mind and our attitudes about things. And he tries to change our attitudes and our thoughts to be something that's contrary to what God has said our thoughts and attitudes should be. Notice Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 again. As we think about not being conformed to this world, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Well, I would think that would mean then just don't act like the world. The world uses bad language. Don't do that. The world engages in immorality and sensuality. Don't do that. The world does this, does that. Don't do that. Don't do those things. Well, that certainly is part of not being conformed to this world. But what do I need to do to not be conformed to this world? I need to renew my mind. I need to get my attitude right. I got to get my thinking right. That's how I make sure I'm not conformed to this world. And so the devil knows that if he wants us to be contrary to what God wants us to be, he needs to work on our thoughts and our attitudes. Such is true in an aspect of our lives that is common to all of us. And that is the aspect of our life that includes work. The devil wants us to have attitudes about work, I believe, that are unscriptural and are contrary to what God wants us to have. The world around us views work as something that's dreaded and despised, as something that should be looked down on and should be avoided at all costs. The world around us uses terms to describe work as the old nine to five, or the grind, or the ball and chain. Are those the attitude that God wants us to have about work? We need to look at that tonight. You know, if you were to ask a lot of people what the ideal is, the ideal would be to not work at all, to be able to sit on a beach somewhere in a lounge chair with your feet up and have people bringing you snacks whenever you wanted them, and fanning you if you got too hot, and taking care of your every need, not do anything. Is that the biblical view that we should have towards work? Should it be avoided at all costs? Should it be dreaded and despised? Should it be uh, something that we want to uh, not have anything to do with? What does the script, do the scriptures teach us about work? First off, we need to note that we were built to work. You know, God could have made us any way that he chose. He could have made us where we just sat around and we could, by process of osmosis, get everything that we need. He could make us like that. But he chose not to make us that way. Instead, he chose us to work. In Genesis chapter 2, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, 
And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In the perfect environment, God put Adam in the garden with the expectation to keep the garden, do work in the perfect environment. That's where everything was exactly the way God wanted it. I would not agree with garden included work. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, who I would not agree with on everything, said this that I absolutely agree with. He said, some occupation is necessary to happiness. Lazy people would not enjoy even Eden itself, he says. We have to be working. God made us that way at the very beginning. But someone might say, you know, I thought work was a part of the curse after Adam and Eve sinned. I thought that was the curse that God brought work into the world. No, that wasn't part of the curse. Work existed before the garden. Now, it was different after the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 says, And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to do the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. The work got more difficult after the fall of man. And there was a lot of vanity in the work and a lot of futility in the work and a lot of things that just have to be done over and over again. For instance, those thorns and those thistles that the earth brings forth, that the ground brings forth. That's a continual thing, isn't it? If you've ever had a garden before, you realize that once you pull up those weeds, you have to go back almost immediately and start pulling them up again because they come right back. That's part of the curse, but work itself is not a curse. In fact, work is a blessing. We'll talk about that. We were built to work. God made us to be workers. Furthermore, we need to look at why should we work. What does the Bible tell us about why we should work? First off, we need to work because it's command of God. God has commanded us to be working. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. God said that we need to be working. That's a command from God. That's just like any other command. God said work. God also said we need to do other things like not lie and not steal. Would I ignore those as readily as I would ignore the command not to work? No, I can't. God wants us to be working. God commanded it. That's one reason why we need to work. We also need to work so that we can provide for our needs. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. God have. In Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. The proverb writer encourages us to look to one of the smallest creatures on earth as motivation for us to get busy. And he puts the ant up as our model that we need to imitate. 
ironically enough. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come on thee, on, uh, come on one Come as one that tra traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. The ant is our example of someone who works when they can and makes sure that they are prepared to provide for their needs. And if we don't follow that pattern, we're told that we'll be in want. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Why would you till your ground? Why would you go to the trouble of breaking open that ground and tilling it and getting it ready and prepared to grow a crop and so you can have bread? You'll be satisfied with bread. That's how God has chosen for us to care and provide for our needs. But it's more than just that, isn't it? We are told to work so that we'll have to give to others. We live in prosperous times, and you know it is possible in the times that we live in, for us to get all that we need to satisfy our needs relatively quickly. And perhaps one could maybe inherit a lot of money and have everything they need to live their life out without any work. Is it okay then for that person just to sit back and not do anything because I have my needs met? No, another reason why we work is to help take care of others, to give to others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands to get the get to the hands, work with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. We are to work with our hands, so that we will be able to help others. Even if we have all of our needs met, there will still be needs of others that need to be met, and we're to work in order to meet those needs. Ecclesiastes chapter eleven, verse one. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give it a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. We need to be working so we can do what this verse says, casting our bread on the waters, being generous to help others who are in need. Being generous. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, There is that scattereth and yet increases, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. We need to be generous, and we can't be generous if we're not working. God wants us to be working so that we can provide for our needs and also have to help those who are in need. And furthermore, we see from the scriptures that work brings blessings from God. There are blessings in God. The world would view work as a curse and something that just makes life miserable and terrible. And it's just a terrible albatross around your neck to have work that needs to be done. But God says that work will bring blessings from him. We know this because Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 tells us that God's commands are for our good always. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. So if God tells me to do something, it's for my good. And we emphasize that to our kids. Sometimes our kids want to complain about the instructions that we've given them. We tell them, listen, mom and dad aren't trying to ruin your life. 
We're not telling you to do something because we know it'll make you miserable and we just want to see how bad it makes you. No. We're telling our kids to do things for their good. So it is with God. God gives us instruction for our good. And God gave us instruction to work. That tells me that it is for our good. But furthermore, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 backs this up. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 says, Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Ecclesiastes writer Solomon said, Solomon, who was maybe the richest of all time, said it's good to be working. There's blessing that comes from working. And Solomon certainly didn't have to work. He had plenty of money, but he said there's a blessing in working. And one of those blessings he goes on to mention in chapter 5, verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. If for nothing else, if you got nothing else out of work, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. And I'm sure you've enjoyed some of that sweet rest, haven't you? After a busy day of working hard, there is nothing better than to crawl into bed and rest. The sweep of a laboring man is sweet. Blessings come from God as a result of work. And so then the question is, how should we work? How do I need to be working? Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 answers that question. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the you know, There are some folks who are rather lazy in their work. They do things half-heartedly. They don't do things thoroughly. That's not the picture of work that God wants us to have. God wants us to be doing things with all of our might. We need to be working hard at our work. We need to be diligent at our work. Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 says this, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing may any man uh, doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. We need to make sure that we are working diligently, like we're working to the Lord. That means I'm going to be diligent, working with all of my mind. What if the Lord was your literal boss on the job? Would you work hard? You certainly would. Well, He is your boss on the job, and you need to be working that way. I'm sure we've all seen folks who got working a little harder when the boss came walking around. They wanted to look really busy when the boss was around, but when the boss was away, they'd slack off a little bit, and they wouldn't work as hard. I want to tell you, that person is working with eye service. That person wants to be a men-pleaser. He wants the boss to see him working, but he's not really committed to that work. We can't be that person. We need to be working like we're working for the Lord. And so I need to be working diligently. I need to not be working with eye service, but we're working diligently as to the Lord. I want to tell you something else that we need to do, how we need to be working. We need to be working without complaining. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. 
It is, no doubt, one of the favorite pastimes of employees around the globe to complain about their jobs, to complain about the boss and how incompetent the boss is, to complain about the policies and how ignorant those policies are and how, how stupid the, the rules are at work that we have to work with. Complain about this, complain about that, complain about the pay, complain about the benefits, gather around the water cool and share in the complaining. The Christian has no place in that discussion. We're to be doing all things without murmuring and complaining. Instead of complaining, I want to tell you what we need to do is we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful that we have the ability to work. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 18 says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he uh, swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. I tell you, if we have a job, and we're able to get up in the morning and go do that job, we need to be thankful for that. Because that comes directly from our Father in heaven, the ability to do that. And so instead of complaining about what God has given us the ability to do, let us be thankful and rejoice in that. We need to make sure that we have the right attitude as we work, that we're working diligently. We're not just serving with eye service as men pleasers, but we're serving the Lord. And that we're not complaining about our work, but we're being thankful for it. I want to also tell you tonight that work is expected of all. You know, a lot of people, or maybe some people, would envision that work is a man's job, that a woman doesn't have to work. That's a man's job. I want to tell you, God expects all to be working. Man, woman, and even child need to be working. Notice what it says about the woman in Proverbs chapter 31. The virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. I'm sure you're all familiar with that passage. And for sake of time tonight, since the you selected quotes for us as we speak, let's look at the quotes, a few selected quotes from this account of the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Wool and flax, getting those fibers that would be necessary to spin the yarn and the thread to make garments, she's doing that. She brings her food from afar. She's going to get her food and gather her food. Now, they didn't have grocery delivery at the time this was written. I'm sure that that would be acceptable. But she was going at that time to go gather the food because it, that's what you needed to do, and she was willing to do that. She rises also while it's yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. It's still dark. She's getting up early because she knows that she has mouths that are going to need to be fed, and she's working on that. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She's going out and looking for opportunities that she can help provide for the needs of the family. She sees a plot of land that would make a good vineyard. She buys it, and she goes about build, uh, planting that vineyard. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hand holds the distaff. So they're making that, those clothes and those fibers and that yarn. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivers girdles unto the merchant. Over and over again, this virtuous woman is working. Is work just something that God expects from men, and women can sit around all day and eat bonbons? No. Women need to be talking about young widows. 
And the problem with younger widows being cared for by the church was they were going to be idle and not be working. And when they were idle and not working, all sorts of problems would creep up because God wanted women to be busy. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 11. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Younger widows were told, don't be idle. Be busy working. If you're not, there'll be all kinds of challenges. And Dorcas is an example of a woman working in Acts chapter 9, beginning of verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And it goes on. And talks about in verse 39, when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with him. Dorcas was a person who was active and busy and working. Women need to be working. It's not just for men. Now we will make a note that the woman's primary responsibilities are those of the house and caring for the house. I don't believe the scriptures forbid a woman working outside of the home. But I don't think it's necessary to work outside the home, but I think women need to be busy. Men need to be busy. Women need to be busy. And children need to be busy as well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents need to be training their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, we've established the fact today and tonight in our discussion that People need to be working. That tells me as a father that I need to be training my children to be working. You know, we don't wait until a child is 18 or 20 or 22 to teach them other things about what God wants from them. For example, we don't say, well, he's not 18 yet, so I'm not going to teach him that he needs to love his neighbor as himself. He's not 21 yet, so I'm not going to teach him that he shouldn't lie. I'm going to wait on that. No, that you'd say that's, that's foolish. You need to teach them now while they're young. Well, we also, I believe, need to teach our children that they need to be working. Life, kids, is not about laying around on the couch all day and playing video games. God wants you to be working, and you need to learn that lesson now as a child. We need to make sure that we're teaching our children. God expects, I believe, men, women, and children to be working. Now, I wouldn't have to make that point about children working maybe 50 or 100 years ago. Kids would have known how to work and work hard back then. But now in our lives of ease and prosperity, we sometimes forget that children need to be working. We all need to be working. Finally tonight, I want to tell you that your secular job is important. There are a lot of people who feel guilty for having a secular job. There are people who feel guilty because they have a nine-to-five job that requires their focus and their attention 40 hours a week or more. 
And people say, well, you know what? If I didn't have that job, I sure could focus on the Lord more if I didn't have this job. That this secular job is just sort of, it's getting in my way. It's not even good. In fact, it's not noble. I ought to be doing something else. I ought to be doing something else where I don't have to do this 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week because it's getting in my way of serving the Lord. I'll tell you, it's not getting in the way of you serving the Lord. But instead, it's what God wants of you. Let me show you why. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says this. He gave some prophets, some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. There are some folks who can work for God all the time and be supported by that, but that's some, not all. There are some evangelists that can be supported full-time for their work. But that's not everybody. That's not everybody. That's some the others, are they just doomed to having a job that God doesn't approve of, that is getting in their way? No. Your secular job is not unimportant. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. We looked at this passage already, talking about our work. As, how do I work on my secular job? Maybe I'm working at Walmart. Maybe I'm the greeter at Walmart. Mark and Grant were practicing for that job this, this evening when we came into services, greeting us. When I do that, when I work for in the, at Walmart, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You see, when I'm working at that job, I'm actually doing that for the Lord. And the Lord is going to re reward me for that. Is my secular job somehow unimportant? Something that's just a, a, encumbering me and keeping me from serving the Lord? No, I'm serving the Lord on my secular job. I need to be aware of that. I'll tell you what else we need to remember is that when we're working and working hard, we're actually working so that we can minister to others. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God was taking note of how they were helping others. And how do we get the ability to help others? Well, one of those ways is we work. If I wasn't working, and if I didn't uh, work on a job somewhere, and I didn't have enough to take care of my needs and help others, guess what? I couldn't do what this verse says. I couldn't do what God is taking note of. It's not unimportant or insignificant, a secular job. No, it enables me to do the good that God wants me to do. That's not unimportant or insignificant. That's not something to be despised. No, my secular job is a blessing. And it enables me to serve God the way that I should. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And whosoever shall give, to drink unto one, uh, give a drink to one of these little ones, a cup of water, cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say to you, he shall know, in no wise lose his cup. Where am I going to get those things that those would need? I'm going to get that through my secular job. We need to make sure that we don't view our secular job as something that is to be despised, but it is important. You know, I've known young Christian men who felt like a secular job was something that was to be despised. That instead of that, they needed to be doing some kind of great spiritual work. Well, in the, in the matter of despising their secular work, what they ended up doing is not doing anything at all. We need to be active. We need to be working. 
And our secular job is not something to be despised. It's not unimportant. It's very, very important. We were built to work. God wants us to be busy. It is because, so that we will have the things that we need, we'll have to give to others, and we can enjoy the blessings that God has chosen to give us through work. We need to be working hard. We need to not be working with eye service. We need not be grumbling and complaining on the job, but be thankful that we have the ability to work. Work is expected from men, women, and children. Tonight, are you working for the Lord? God has work that we all must do. Are we working for Him? If you're here this evening and you're not, there's things that in your life, your spiritual life, that aren't right, that need to be corrected. Can we help you with that? Would you let us know while we stand and while we sing?